Hey y'all. Welcome to Legally Black. It's your girl Cass. And your girl Simone. And today we will be talking about wrongful convictions. And prosecutors. And prosecutorial misconduct, which I'm sure yeah. you guys can't wait to hear about. <laughs> Actually, they probably can't, considering that it is rampant. <laughs> right, so you guys maybe can wait to hear about it. I don't know. Get ready. Hey, guys. Yeah. Really quickly, can you break down like what a prosecutor does? They send people to jail. Kidding. <laughs> they try. They want to. It's their job to prosecute crimes that happen. Their job is supposed to be to seek justice. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> so to make it super simple, essentially a prosecutor, they they represent the state or the city. So that's why you see if you see state versus OJ. <laughs> I don't know how that came to me. I don't know who, who OJ was versus. But essentially they are the person who is they're always the uh plaintiff, which is the person technically suing. Right. But basically, they're a person who's bringing the case, they're bringing the charges, and they're ultimately supposed to, in my opinion, have the burden of proof to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone committed a crime, at least in, in criminal. I'm only speaking criminal law, by the way. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not. Let's not go into civil. Well, I mean, yeah, I think that's kind of beyond your opinion. That is, I mean, that sh that is their job. Yeah. is to make sure that people feel like beyond a reasonable doubt, which is a standard that I think people don't think about that no. intensely when they are juries. They don't, because there's most cases I probably could not say beyond it. I don't think I can say anything beyond a reasonable doubt. Literally, I don't say anything. beyond. <laughs> <laughs> I make no <laughs> statements because I know that there could be a doubt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is like a very, I don't know, when you think about that standard, when you think about like case, I don't know, like court cases that you guys have heard, it's like, they could probably be innocent. Unless it's just crazy, like R. Kelly. And R. Kelly was found not guilty. Right, exactly. I, I don't know. That's the only beyond yeah. reasonable doubt I can think of. I mean, I think you're right because honestly, I mean, hopefully, I, this will easily get me kicked off of any jury if I ever get summoned for jury duty anymore. I feel like jury like, nullification. Well, jury nullification for sure. Maybe I should lie so that I get on the jury and then I can be like, listen, guys, sure. nullification. No, but I really feel like I don't think that anyone, like, if someone is on trial for a crime, either I'm going to listen to the cops or I'm going to listen to this person. And I obviously am going to feel like this person is probably innocent, mostly from what they did. Yeah, I mean, I wish that I also will listen to the person before the cops, typically. And so I wish everyone had that opinion. And I know, but they really don't. And they think the thing that I think is so crazy is on like jury, like when people do voir dire, which is basically for people listening, when the jury is being chosen, each side, they get like passes. They get to kind of be like, no, we don't want that person. We don't want that person. And they skew so conservative because people freak out when someone's like, oh, I don't really like cops. They're like, oh, my God, how dare this person be on the jury? Meanwhile, someone can be like, my grandfather was a cop and my brother's a cop and my dad's a I cop. Hate black people. And I hate black people. And they're like, well, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you can be on the jury. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I, I don't even know if that's real, by the way. you got. Don't quote me about the I hate black people. Because you can't prove literally that someone is racist most of the times when they're in on, you know, in the line for jury duty, then it's so much harder to be like, I'm not going to put this person on the jury whose entire family is cops. And people are like, well, that's just I don't understand why you would do that. And you're like, you don't. <laughs> then you would go down a whole rabbit hole. We were about to start talking about something totally different. Don't worry, guys. We have a case today. I promise. 
Okay, so like I said, we'll be talking about wrongful convictions. And so, you know, like I said, there's a lot of units and prosecutor's offices that are popping up that's starting to review wrongful convictions. And so these units are typically called conviction and review units. And so just to give you guys a very simple definition, basically a conviction and integrity unit conducts an extrajudicial fact-based review of secure convictions to investigate plausible allegations of actual innocence. So they're independent of a court, which is the part of the problem. And they basically just relook at a case. In short, they just re Right. The they look at the case for anything that could possibly have been wrong with it. If it was, you know, witness yeah. tampering, jury tampering, any sort of a, a judge is later, like if, you know, 10 years later, a judge that was on your case was disbarred for like prejudice, then like that could count too. Like they, they take into all the effect, like every sort of thing and they kind of have to add it up and be like, this was not right. <laughs> yeah. So today, you guys, we're talking, we'll be talking about a little case in St. Louis. So super relevant for Samoa and I. Relevant for you guys too, because I think this is going to inform, this might go right. to the Supreme Court, honestly. It should. Yeah, I'm scared, actually. I don't know. Maybe it shouldn't. I'm scared. Yeah, this Supreme Court, maybe not. Pack the court? No. Yeah. <laughs> That's for a whole nother app. <laughs> Pack the court. <laughs> Talking about FDR. <laughs> okay, okay. okay, okay, okay. So this case is called State of Missouri v. Lamar Johnson. And let's see. Yeah, I mean, it's recent. The opinion was issued March 2nd, 2021. So fresh off the presses, y'all. Fresh. Oh, my God. Literally, that was like a week ago. Literally. Yeah. Okay. So this case was basically, there was a person, Lamar Johnson, who had an older 1995 murder conviction. And the city of St. Louis circuit attorney Kim Gardner filed a motion for a new trial, basically like claiming that there was new evidence that suggested that he was innocent, which, okay, when we talk about that evidence. <laughs> the evidence, oh yeah, I can't wait to tell you. That's, that's just crazy. That should overly suggest. Literally, it's like someone <laughs> take this man out of jail. He is. He I'm is not so laughing cool. at this, but like, man, how much suggest, how much more suggestive can it be? Oh my God. Okay, wait. And then when we get to the concurrent. Yeah. Okay. So this case, basically the court, the circuit court that like, it's kind of complicated because the circuit attorney brought this case, which I don't think happens very much. But so the court was trying to kind of figure out this sort of issue of administrative law, uh, which was kind of confusing. And basically, okay, Levin. I know. <laughs> Seriously. And so basically they decided that this was the wrong way for Johnson to argue his innocence. Which to me is just such a shitty way of like of really exploring how the court system has become so like tied up in rules that when a man is coming to you with like literal evidence of his innocence, you have to be like, Oh, well you, you came under the wrong rule. So I'm not going to look at this at all. <laughs> oh, it's a it's joke. So I'm not laughing, but it's like American law is like sometimes a joke. Not some, a lot of times. And this is <laughs> right. Find me a yeah. lot. Find me where it isn't. I promise you there's less of it not being a joke. <laughs> a joke. There's not much procedural history aka what the prior courts have said right doesn't matter yeah so we're not gonna even get into that this case but can i talk about what kim Gardner was asserting that there's grounds for relief aka why he is innocent probably yes okay so in this case there was four grounds of relief <laughs> the biggest one is two other men confessed you guys and they specifically said he was not involved Yes, literally. Okay. okay. Well. Second one, false testimony by police. And the material witness recanted their statement, claiming Johnson was not there. Yeah, actually, yeah. 
the material witness like perjured themselves. Yeah, that's another Jamal, that's another one. <laughs> it is insane. The amount of oh my god. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> um there was there was also Brady violations. Just for everyone, a Brady violation is basically when one side fails to aka the prosecutors fail to hand over material evidence basically exculpatory impeachment evidence basically evidence that will could either that could change the decision of of a court and in this case evidence that this person was innocent yeah wild also the witness was paid i don't even know like the context of that like you guys I, i wish i could tell you more but the witness was paid and then i yeah there was one eyewitness that eyewitness was paid yes and then another witness had like this extensive criminal history and was basically incentivized to testify against this man who was fully innocent yeah and this was in 95 yes and then the last ground of relief is that the state knowingly presented false evidence I know you're like, damn, there's only four grounds for relief? Exactly. Really, it's like 20. But I guess they just put it into four. Knowingly. I I just like how we get to take this out of the hands of being like super, like, the way that that sounds is so passive. Oh, the state just knowingly kind of (laughs) used, like, who's the state? Oh, it was just the state. They kind of like. This person's been sending everybody to jail. You know. They knew that they were lying and they were presenting false testimonies i think they're scared yeah because i think this would give like everyone the cause to like reopen their case if this prosecutor i didn't even want to look up who the prosecutor was because i'm scared to know them and i might have to send them a nasty email i don't know (laughs) bitch (laughs) honestly knowing missouri he's probably like governor parsons now (laughs) (laughs) he's literally like a state senator so it doesn't even matter right no seriously no i i did you look up who the prosecuting attorney was at the time no i didn't i didn't want to i don't i didn't want to know (laughs) me neither probably like someone i have a drink with no probably something crazy like that i guess i should know Oh, I can't tell the viewers, but right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll yeah. figure it out. Say yeah. their name. Say it. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Um, <laughs> so basically, the court that decided this decision, the the opinion of the court, really was just like, but I mean that's too bad because he filed his, um, his uh like relief too late, and the law says that there's like a 21 day rule. After you are initially convicted, you get this many days to like appeal, which to me is crazy because, okay. And then also, which one of the concurrences brings up, the judge says you should use these other means of getting yourself free. And the concurrence is like, he has filed multiple habeas corpus, like filings, writs of habeas corpus. No and you said no. Oh, Simone, I not that this is super relevant, but I've done a memo about remedies. So if you need me to drop a little knowledge. Drop some knowledge. Definitely. Well, can I drop a little bit of knowledge about what a writ for the petition of habeas corpus? Oh, means? please. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to drop you. the knowledge about that. <laughs> so please do. I'll leave that one to you. Basically, I just feel like habeas corpus is like, a term that people hear and know has to do with the law, but like maybe aren't fully sure as to how or why. So basically habeas corpus is used as a post-conviction remedy for state or federal prisoners who challenge the the legality of the application for federal laws that were used in the judicial proceeding. So basically it's just, you're saying it's what he did. You're saying that there is new information. There's a problem with my case and I need you to look over it again or like so we can have like a new trial or whatever and it basically doesn't determine the guilt or innocence of the prisoner it's literally just to test the legality of the prisoner's current detention 
So exactly what we're saying in this case happened. He filed a couple of writs to be like, please look over this. And the judge was basically, they said, no, 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 multiple times. And then this happened where the circuit attorney brought it. And the court decided that he didn't have the statutory authority (laughs) to appeal. Uh, So when they said that Kim Garner, aka a prosecutor, does not have the authority to file a new motion. Yeah. So my issue with saying that they don't have the authority to do that is that I think anyone should be given the authority to correct their mistakes. Right. So obviously this was done. The prosecutor had the authority to bring the trial, bring the charges. So they see a mistake, they should have the inherent authority to correct those. Yeah. If the goal is justice, like it's supposed to be and not convictions. Yeah. I think the original prosecutor were outside of that. Uh, Yeah. One of the concurrences specifically brings up the fact that this justice has over the last decade, the court and the court of appeals have granted post-conviction relief and issued habeas corpus writs and vacated conditions or convictions of more than 10 people. But in each case, the attorney general opposed the idea of relief because he says that it's his duty to like he's required to oppose the defense's attempts to obtain a hearing what no literally he argues that his duty is not to he doesn't want to become an advocate for the defendants and that would show a bias in the defendant's favor and neglect his duty to the state. That's so weird because you are an advocate for everyone. You, in my opinion, you're supposed to be an advocate for everyone. Well, I mean, the person, the the justice writing this concurrence, literally is saying that the United States Supreme Court has talked about the what the prosecutor's role is, and it's not simply to be the adversary of the defense. It's transcendent. It's like supposed to be the yeah. representative of everyone your interest is justice your interest is not to win the case but to see that justice is done (laughs) so the attorney general is literally mistaken as to his role as a prosecutor which happens all the time and he's literally the head one he's the one the head one one in missouri oh lord i mean could you be surprised by missouri seriously i'm not surprised by (laughs) I, I mean that's a, that's a, that's a problem that I'm not surprised. I, that that's the issue is that I'm like yeah that makes sense for Missouri. Right, I definitely could see why this guy thinks that that's his job and therefore has been doing this this whole time. But someone should probably give him the handbook or like have or a like, conversation yeah. with him. Maybe or he should be be fired, kicked out of office. Yeah, yeah. So. That is also to me why this case is so wild. Just because this guy clearly just like has a like fully misconception of like his job (laughs) so one of the uh probably the biggest argument of the side that we want to win lamar johnson right i don't know what the listeners who listeners want to win (laughs) i'm kidding if you're listening you better you better (laughs) want lamar to win you better but um no so the side that the biggest argument of the side that should win was that there is an inherent power to prevent a miscarriage of justice. Yeah. But the yeah. court was like, well, yeah, but it has to be at the right time. Someone, do you have anything else to talk about with the concurrences before I start getting in my... <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. The other one, basically, I mean, they all concur with, like, the result but I think they kind they both are like you know this is unjust and they kind of talk about equity which basically you can ask for like an equitable solution if you I don't know it equity is kind of an interesting one it's something that can be asked for in most cases but it's not often granted um and it kind of means something in like differently but basically it just means like you're asking for the judge to be like more fair (laughs) you're kind of just like can you please look at this and be like please help me thank you like I'm clearly not supposed to be here like 
an equitable solution to the problem is that this person gets let out of jail. And I know you guys think, man, judges should always be equitable. No. Yeah. <laughs> really, what's so funny to me is that the most I hear about equity so far, like in my readings, is like reading. Contracts, right? Yeah, like corporate, like corporate law, yeah. which is just so funny to me that like a corporation is like is more likely to get an equitable solution than a human being. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't be surprised. So just to like. Now that we've kind of wrapped up the case and how Missouri is terrible, not great thing, but the somewhat good thing is that he's still has other ways to get out of jail hopefully and so there are a few remedies when it comes to wrongful convictions and so motion for a new trial which strike that was what this court case was about so that's one of the remedies that's obviously dead unless it goes to the supreme court which i like i said i am scared but i think you know it's interesting when people bring cases i think they have to like worry a lot about that is setting precedent and so i think in a way they're they probably won't bring it maybe because they're scared to set that precedent of yeah i feel like we've talked about that before it's hard like when you want something to go to the supreme court you have you have to be so sure that you're gonna win because if you don't then that is like the law of the land yeah anyway so yeah so and then all these habeas petitions which Simone already talked about but one thing is a motion to recall mandate and so essentially that's it's like a thing that people don't talk about a lot but so rule 29.15 states that if a person convicted of a felony claims there are constitutional violations, i.e. Brady violations, they can file a motion to vacate, set aside, or correct judgment. And so I think that's a really tough one to get. And you can't have it unless the judgment is a result of fraud, imposition, or prejudicial mistake of facts, which... Clearly, there's a lot of fraud. Definitely got that. Yeah, and so, like, one of the big ones is ineffective counsel, which is also very hard to prove. It almost seems impossible to say, to prove ineffective counsel. Well, okay, so what's funny is that one of the concurrences talks about how, basically, it says, like, after he kind of reads the judge for being just, like, a total idiot, he's like, you know, like, hopefully next time when he questions his conviction, this guy specifically, Johnson, like people will actually look at what these facts that are in the record now that like we know exist. And so I think that's what the other concurrence was trying to say was that he does have like other, and he says something about like now that he has like a better lawyer, (laughs) I was like, damn. Hey, for real, man. But like, how are you supposed to be a better lawyer when the cops are straight up lying and paying witnesses? You know what I mean? You're like, well, I can't. (laughs) I didn't know that and I can't do anything about it. <laughs> okay, can I say this one fact? I don't know if it's true, but Wikipedia said it and I'm going I'm to say it's true. Look, we love Wikipedia. But Wikipedia said that Lamar Johnson would have had to like walk from where he was at, walk like a few miles, do this, and walk back in five minutes. What? <laughs> okay, well, maybe that's ineffective counsel for not pointing that out. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know what was pointed out, but I'm just like, whoa, this whole timeline I'm having to do this was five minutes and y'all still was like... Well, they had an eyewitness. I mean, that's what, like, is so crazy, which I do think, so, in the... the Paid! The, what? Paid eyewitness. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I feel like what is important, what I like about these new sort of conviction units review units, I guess I should say, (laughs) conviction units, is that they really take into effect human factors that are issues when it comes to prosecuting crimes, which, I mean, I think any person of color can tell you that this is a huge issue. But if you are a white person out there who doesn't know this or hasn't thought about this, very often your people think that everyone (laughs) looks the same. (laughs) 
and just chooses uh, the black person in the room <laughs> to pin the crime on. This is a little. This is a little off topic, but I find it crazy that people think black people look the same when I think we objectively look the most different. And I go, I go go down the route of who looks the same, but <laughs> but just know that I think black people don't look the same one bit. No, well, I mean, there's so much difference. I mean, literally, like even just looking at you right now on the Zoom, I'm like, did you imagine someone confusing us? <laughs> People are wild. <laughs> People are so wild. Yeah. I'm just gonna, I, because I don't know, I think that's a perfect time to segue into just talking about, like, the broader idea of wrongful convictions in these units. And so, I don't know if you guys know, I've mentioned it before, but I work for one of these units. I have worked for one of these units. And, man, Simone, I don't know. It's like, um, it's kind of depressing. Oh, I believe it. Because, like, I read cases about a whole bunch of black men in jail, basically. Typically, it's black men. Yeah. And, you know, they're like, I'm innocent. And, like, sometimes I'm like, "Uh, you probably did it. But it's just like, (laughs) even if they did do it, it's like, the issue is that a lot of the issues is you should not have gotten a sentence that long. Like, people are, like, people are given, like, 200 years for an armed robbery. Okay, I'm exaggerating a little bit. No, I mean, I actually, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, just crazy, outrageous, which, to me, that's a constitutional violation. That's cruel and unusual punishment. But just, like, these crazy sentences. And, like, one of my biggest problems with these units, or not problems, but shortcomings, is that they have no authority. Mm-hmm. Like, no authority, really. And so it's like, yes, we do these things in hope of, appealing to someone above us who does have the authority it's like we have no authority so like like i know there's this one case and i'm and i'm so happy it went well but this person basically was granted probation after being in jail for years there's some good outcomes but it's just like a lot of these cases are like felony murder or yeah accomplice liability which I don't believe in any of those because I think the prosecutor yeah. should always have to prove and not but just, I, yeah, like, I don't care what it, and that's not to say, and I understand, like, there are victims and somebody's family might not believe that, but, like, I don't know, like, we shouldn't take lightly taking away someone's life, and I think we take it way too lightly in America. Oh, definitely, especially considering the state of our prisons. Like, we're yeah. not, It's it would be one thing if, our prisons were meant to rehabilitate people and put them back into society having like done their, you know, they, they paid their dues to the state and then they leave. But I mean, people go to prison and jail and like never, you know, like they never come out. And if they do, they're different and there's trauma there and there's, and we, yeah. they don't they don't like come back into society like ready to be in society because how could they? And so we just kind of take away. Plus, I mean, if someone's for felony, if someone's convicted, then they lose their right to vote, which is a huge way that the system just kind of continues to dis- disenfranchise people of color. Um, and I would go so far as to say probably one of the main reasons why that law even exists that you can take away people's vote if they are convicted of felony because they wanted to take away black people's votes. Oh yes. They want to do anything. Yeah. Anything they could do. They was like, fuck it. We going to do it. Um, <laughs> you know, Jim Crow shit, Jim Crow shit for yeah. sure. And I think, yeah, yeah, you, like you said, it's really tough because you do need to have like, everyone on your side if you are going to make changes and it can't just be something that was initiated without many people wanting it i think there's different you know la has had a conviction review unit for a while that i don't think i mean jackie lacy the the ex prosecutor or the ex district attorney was not i mean they had the unit they reviewed the things and they let people like you know police officers go and they've gotten people out of jail. I just want to say that. I don't want to like, I don't want to downplay yeah. the success of these units or the effectiveness. Well, they're important but, even if they're only sort of effective. You know, yeah. they should be more effective and people yes. like 
but I don't think that that, no, they definitely are doing a great job. They're doing, yes, they are. And, you know, just, you know, just being in this unit, because I'm like, you know, I'm very anti-prisons and like, I don't like the idea of putting people in prison. And so this was like a perfect middle ground for me to kind of work for a prosecutor's office to be able to work for one. And it's, this system is really, man, like, just like, you guys, I don't know if you guys know this either, but I'll be working for a public defender's office this summer. And it's just like, just like knowing, like, that's my dream and I can't wait. But just knowing that there's probably so many people that will still go to jail with my counsel just because of my effectiveness, not because of me, but because of just the system and how effective I could be because of the fact that I probably have 30 other cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a whole, I mean, it's just kind of, I think when we think of overworked people who do the most for society, right? Teachers, public defenders, the people that when you talk about those jobs, a lot of people kind of roll their eyes at or like, well, you won't yes. make any money doing that. Like, why would you do that? And you're like, literally for the good of humanity, maybe like, I don't know because I want to help people. So I think that that is a whole thing that I think should really, I don't understand. I mean, I guess because it's government funded, they can't pay public defenders more, but But even prosecutors make more public defenders. Yeah. But we want more people in jail than being not in jail. And I think the biggest thing you can do as a public defender really is like, just try to make sure that your client gets the least amount of time. You know, it's like, if you know that they're getting any time, then, but. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing I will do is make sure my client feels like they have a voice. I think the thing that public defenders can be the most equipped with is like, and you worked for a prosecutor's office, but is kind of knowledge of how it works on the other side and, you know, knowing who to pay attention to. And if it, yeah. someone that if a certain cop brings in a person and you know that that cop does shady shit then you know you have to you have to look into that speaking yeah. of cops my unit also deals with police misconducts as well yeah man like this and like my supervisor I, like i think she's a lovely lady it's a tough job y'all like i like i will say this i think being a prosecutor is a I think being a prosecutor or a public defender is really tough because I was talking to this dude and I was talking to him about this and I never thought of it like this but he was like yeah people hate public defenders too and I was like why would you hate them it is like to people who are trying to be defended they don't look at you as being like all right you don't have resources they look at you as you're not a good attorney because Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what it looks like, though. It looks like like all the everyone who brings ineffective counsel claims. There's probably something to it. Yeah, but it's also like ineffective system, like exactly, like- exactly. But it's like, but obviously you're gonna look at your not you're not if you're the one in the place who's about to be sent away from life. You're like, I, right, yo, attorney, you did something wrong, and it's like, man, I did what I could do, and that's like a tough. Oh, that's a tough position to be in. And, oh, definitely. You know, I, I think I can but handle I, it. But, I think but. you can too. And I, I actually do think that the thing is, though, there are definitely public defenders out there who are not doing yes. their most, right? So it is going to have your, it's kind of yes. like with, it's. A, I mean, teachers, any, anywhere you go, there's going to be yeah. people who have the job who want it and are putting their all into it and are giving it their all and trying their hardest. And there's going to be people that phone it in because it's a tough job and I don't know, they're trying to like pay off their student loans or something like eventually to like to get them, you know, forgiven. So I think ultimately conviction review units are good. They should be given more clout. They should be everywhere and slowly, but surely maybe hopefully they are popping up. And I know, like I said, like the only one that I can really speak to experience wise is the LA County prosecutor's office and their district attorney who I've just 
written a few articles about, so not even really like met or worked within, but it does seem like he's kind of shake, you know, if it comes from the prosecutor's side saying we need to fix some shit, I've been elected, I have this mandate and people want to see things change. And, you know, in California, like the Supreme Court is fairly liberal. And even though the prosecutors are not that into it, you, the more they argue about it, the more it becomes clear that it needs to exist. And especially yeah. in a place like LA where their jail population is like larger than the population of like certain countries. Man, it's a crazy world we live in. Well, do you have any songs for us this week? I do. I oh. do. I don't got five though. So, I mean, maybe I do, but my thing is like, I don't be knowing. I don't be remembering. I feel like and nowhere did we say it had to be five. No, but I put that burden. <laughs> well, it's okay. I, you can I just like sing us a little part of it if you don't remember the name. I think I could though, right? Covers are legal. I mean, not that Cass needs to be doing a cover of anyone. Okay, well, tell us the song. Okay. I man. This Simone, I don't I haven't played you this song, but this song right here, a hit. Everybody know this song. Track star by Mooski. I don't know this song. She's a runner. She's a track star. She gonna run away when it gets hard. She can't take the pain. She can't get scarred. I guess <laughs> what I love is like there's no way anyone could sue us for that because what even <laughs> not even close enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Close enough. I guess way too late is convenient for you. His um his notes, the notes he's hitting, amazing. I'm gonna keep hitting them but anyway. Track star by Mooski. Simone, do you know Jack Harlow? Um, I think he was just in a video with uh someone on SNL, Pete Davidson. Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah, then no, but I saw his name listed just now, like an hour oh. ago. I think he's this little cute little cute little white boy. A little cutie patootie. Yeah, I don't know if he's he probably wasn't even cute. Not even, but he's, I think he's from uh, Louisville. Oh, Louisville. Louisville. Oh. Louisville. So his song, Tyler Hero. I like his whole album, actually. He, he is so smooth. I. Maybe he should be smoother looking. I think he's. Oh, you don't think. I don't know. You guys know my taste, apparently, on this podcast. I think he's cute. My next song is uh, Beatbox by Spot'em Got'em. And you knock your legs off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of fan off. Hit yeah. on with the but- dreads off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you like no one can sue me. Next one, obvious one, Lemon Pepper Freestyle by Drake featuring Rick Ross. Are we serious? You know. I love Rick Ross. I love I love Rick Ross. And, you know, I want to I want to marry Drake. I'm, have I ever told you that? I mean, maybe, but whatever. I'm tired yeah, of hearing yeah. people talk about how much they love Drake. He I, is not that great. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is he not like if I had to like draw a man? It might be Drake. I don't even understand the premise. Who is asking you to draw a person? <laughs> exactly. And then it's just all of a sudden Drake. No, I agree. I agree. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's actually hilarious. So you always want to be Drake? If I had to draw a man? Yeah. I'm trying to think who it would be, but. Honestly, I just don't like thinking about men that much. No, I feel it. I I definitely feel that. Well, mine might be Drake, y'all. Okay, my last song and the only song. I don't know if this is five, you guys. But I really. Anyways, it doesn't matter if it's five. But um, no, it is five. This would be the fifth one. Look at Cass. Is this number oh, one of the week? 
No, this isn't number one. I'll tell you what's number one at the end. Okay. But my last song song is PTSD by G Herbo featuring Chance and Juice World. I hope it's not featuring anyone else. Um, because I don't know who else is on that song. But you know, they put all the Chicago, all the Chicago niggas, one song, gotta love it. I'm sure no, I'm sure it's great. Don't do Chicago like that. But what <laughs> the obvious song of the week is Track Star. Trackstar. She's a runner. She's a track star. Who's it by again? Mooski. Mooski by Tracks. Oh, sorry. Like oh, Moo Mooski. By Mooski. Think of a moo like a cow plus ski. Like skiing. Well, Simone. You've been cooking? Oh, by the way, you guys, Simone's in Hawaii. Yes, that's how dedicated I am to you listeners. Simone is in Hawaii and she is. She is doing this while she's in Hawaii. I would never. It's my last day here and it's raining outside. Wait, when are you coming back to the loo? I'll be back in the loo on Tuesday. Okay. And then you're leaving right away, right? Yeah. The next day I'm leaving again to house sit in Wisconsin. Can I say one thing before you go to your recipe? I'm up in ethics Tuesday. (gasps) I wish I was going to go. I've got to go just to hear you. <laughs> Damn, we fail. <laughs> Damn, we oh, fail. My cold call. That's not even that cold. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They give you a week. <laughs> right. That warm call. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Ethics is just for everybody out there who's, I don't know, interested in what lawyers learn about ethics before they become attorneys. Basically, not that much. And also, they learn that the consequences are. Not that bad. I'm saying not. Yeah, I think you have to like murder your client or something. Well, there was that one about the guy who put that. There, okay, I don't even want to say this because I know that people out here like cats, but right. And don't get my daughter all riled up. So let's not talk. <laughs> anyway, so people have done attorneys have done some wild shit, and they're like, "Oh, you're suspended for two months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have to pay a fine." Just the next time you try to threaten a lawyer with being disbarred, just know that it's probably not going to happen. You remember that attorney who was like showing up drunk? Yes. And he was like, oh, just get treatment. It's like, fam, this man handled my case drunk. Are you serious? Like he should have. Yeah, no, he should not be allowed anywhere near anybody ever again. I have actually today was the day that I planned on cooking with my friend Ellen. So I have been cooking a little bit. Mostly I've just been eating fish and fruit and just living my best Hawaii life. Everyone I went skydiving. Yes, she did. Oh, you killed it. I loved okay. it. It was so much fun. I'm just like so thrilled. Can't wait to jump out of another plane. Literally, I cannot wait. So what I did make today, which we're going to have with our dinner, which is going to be some fresh mahi-mahi caught off the osh product of hawaii is oh yes Simone, what time is it there great question it's like 3 30 almost oh my god in the p.m yeah what we've got a rest of i've been waking up so early here <laughs> i get up at like 6 30 because it's just like i i'm still on time yeah the mainland as they call it here Okay, so what I did make today, which I'm going to put on this fish that we're having for dinner, is a really lovely recipe that I like to break out in the summertime, which is my easy peasy recipe for mango salsa, which I love. So mango salsa, you're going to need some mangoes, first and foremost. This salsa doesn't have tomatoes in it. So the main... No heartburn. No heartburn for gas. The main ingredient is mangoes. I like to go for the smaller golden mangoes. They're not the one, they're not kind of the big ones. They are shaped, I'm trying to think of how they're shaped. Kind of like beans. They're called Adolfo mangoes or like Adolfo mangoes. And they're, they're smaller than like a giant mango that you would normally see. 
So I like to use those because I think they're sweeter and they also have a little bit of tartness to them if you get them at the right time of year. So you can kind of, I would say buy one small mango that's not quite ripe, but almost there. And then a couple of really ripe ones. And then you'll have a little tanginess in with your mango. Not Oh, look at that. The trick. That's the little (laughs) trick. Just buy one that's not ripe yet fully. Then on top of that, you're going to need, I like to do habanero peppers. If you can't find one or you're not into like super spice, then I would say jalapeno. You could also probably do a fresno pepper and just kind of like seed it. If you take the seeds out, it's not going to be spicy. I like habaneros really small minced up and thrown in, but don't use too much. Literally, you Mm. could probably use a quarter. You can always add more spice, but I would suggest just using a little bit first. I guess like some recipes say like use gloves and stuff when you're cutting up peppers. I think it's a good idea if you have them. If you don't, just like try to wash your hands and don't like pick your nose or like rub your eye once if you have peppers on here. That's me. Like, let me take my contacts out. <laughs> That's it. I even I, I remember one time I was making something with jalapeno or with habaneros and I wiped my nose and washed my hands after this was after I'd washed my hands. Did you die? I wiped my nose and literally the rest of the day. I was just I could not. It was just like. <laughs> It was the most insane feeling in the world. So Uh, you didn't die. Yeah, I didn't die, but it was terrible. So yeah, peppers, mangoes. Some people throw a bell pepper or two in there. I think it provides crunch and gives Mm. kind of like a nice flavor, but some people aren't into it. I don't think you need them. Yeah. Red onion is key. It's a key. Oh. Nice and chopped up. Throw a red onion in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really like to put cilantro in salsa. I just think it provides a flavor. If you don't like cilantro, just leave it out. But if you got that cilantro gene. Yeah. If you do like it, throw it in there. Lime juice is key. Fresh limes. A little bit of salt. A little bit of garlic salt if you have it. I think that kind of gives a savory depth to this mango. And then, I mean, that's it, literally. Like, super easy, quick mango salsa. And like throw it on chicken, fish, pork, like literally anything you could possibly want. Something that I think would be really good would be like a nice pulled pork sandwich with mango salsa on it. Oh, guess what someone's making? (laughs) I'm not even making that, but I will. I'll make it for Cass one day. Yeah, I guess you could put avocados in it too. People do that, but I just think you should just, I mean, I, so, okay. The last time I made this mango salsa before this was last summer. And I was making shrimp tacos with my partner Uh, and a friend and we marinated the shrimps and we did them on the grill and Mm. stuff. So we put avocado on the side with a little bit of salt to put on the tacos. And then we had the mango salsa also Mm. for the tacos. Mm. It was so good. And as Mm. the summer is approaching, get ready because mango season is coming and you will want mango salsa all day, every day. And that's that. So Simone you got a black business for us? Oh, I have a black business to shout out. So this business is a New York City-based jewelry brand, not unlike the brand that I shouted out the first day, which is Yam. This one is called Oma and O-M-A. It's like really beautiful, stylish, chic jewelry. It goes from anywhere between like $40 and like $200. So like very affordable pieces, bracelets, necklaces. They do like cute chains. They have really nice earrings. Lots of like gold and silver pretty much. And I just like love their stuff. I think it's so cute. So if you're looking for any jewelry, this one, their handle is at Oma the label mm-hmm. on Instagram. If you just search Oma, it should pop up. And also, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Don't forget to check out Yam either. We love our jewelry. Black-owned people doing it big. Yes. Can I, I have to give a shout out to my daughter. You guys, I don't have a kid actually, but my cat. (laughs) The legendary Smokey Robinson, Oliver. She has a birthday coming up. It came up actually already, but we're going to. talking birthdays. I think there was a more important birthday that happened. <laughs> you got some more birthday just passed. <laughs> She's shouting out her cat daughter instead of saying happy birthday to me. That, if you guys need to know, listeners, that is the epitome of our friendship. <laughs> My daughter is 
very important. Yeah, it's fine. I know. I like Smokey and she's very cute. So happy birthday to Smokey. <laughs> okay, you guys. Okay, the more important birthday, apparently. Simone. Simone's birthday yeah. was what? Was it Monday? It was on Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Simone's birthday was Tuesday. I'm not going to say how old Simone turned, but we're not going to throw that out there. But guess okay. what? What? Simone, you are a lovely lady. I'm here. I'm. You are getting lovely, lovelier with age. I think I am too. I'm like yeah. I haven't even hit my peak. I'm ready. Yeah, don't peak. No, we're not peaking. Maybe when I'm fifty. <laughs> Angela Bassett in this bitch. If I could look anything like her or like Tracy, when I'm older, I would be. It's not would looking be... hot for neither one of us, to be honest, but. <laughs> I will be able to afford Botox, so maybe. Some okay. Wow. I don't think I'm gonna need Botox, but yeah, you probably won't. Still, I should eat better. I should start eating better now. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Yo, back to sorry, but my daughter. I'm hopefully having a birthday party for her this year. Once everyone's all vaxxed. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's the design. You know what? It doesn't matter because I will be vaxxed. Exactly. So. Exactly. But get ready. Big Smoke's birthday bash part two. Why are you shouting this out on the podcast like anyone? Because I'm inviting all my listeners to Big Smoke's birthday bash. If you're in St. Louis and you love listening to our podcast, Cass will probably invite you to her cast birthdays. Big Smoke's. It's going to be it. It's going to be on a rooftop. Wow. Scary for Smokey to be on a rooftop, but. We're going to figure it out. <laughs> Big Smoke's birthday bash, y'all. Get ready. Hit me up for an invite. You know our email. You do. At legallyblack21, gmail.com. Also, while you're waiting for those invites, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the pod so that you can get invited to more exciting things as we do more exciting things. That's probably the only invite. Come on, Simone. That's not. What do you mean? <laughs> Maybe they'll want to come see us live one day. Oh, I will. I would. We'll do a St. Louis show just for everyone out there. <laughs> I would absolutely love there. that. I would. Okay. Anyway, we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. See y'all later. Bye. Bye. Bye.